So, Jimmy, you said that you went uh, antiquing this weekend. Did you buy, like, another 25 bandsaws or you know, <laughs> no. a house full of printing presses again? I think the question is, how many bandsaws did you buy? True. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, this was a light weekend. I did spend a lot of money, but it, it, I got a lot of little things. <laughs> I mean, it was a light weekend as far as the physicality of what I brought home. I went gotcha. to, here in New York State, we have a an annual flea market called Madison Balkville. It's in two little towns connected Madison and Balkville. And it's on route 20 close to Syracuse. And so it's from where I am, it's about a 90 mile drive. So it's always a kind of a tradition. Me and Taylor go every August. It's usually around the the second half of August. And so we went and because we couldn't get a dog sitter, we brought all the dogs with us. So Taylor was walking around with bear on a leash. And then a little black dog was just following her. It was really cute. Like every five feet, someone's like, oh, you dropped the leash. And Taylor's like, I know, don't worry, it's cool. The dog stays with her. <laughs> and then I, I carried Chippy like in my papoose the whole day. And uh, it was good. For me, I go to those things, obviously, the whole time I'm looking to see what I could make a video of or really just look for ideas that I like getting hit in the face with something that I otherwise wouldn't think of. So while I'm walking through there, I'm finding little bits and bobs of like, oh, I could make one of these. Oh, I could make one of these. And it's not necessarily like a restoration video I'm looking for, although obviously there's plenty of those at a flea market. But what I'm really looking for is just like a fresh new perspective on anything, how to make a pair of dividers or a technique that was used to inspire me to make some other new technique. I mean, that's the best education you can get is walking through a flea market. And if you have a knowledgeable sales guy, who's not just like a guy that just cleans out and puts stuff on a table, you have a guy that knows his business and you say, how much, you know, what is this? And he'll explain it to you. He'd be happy to explain it. He's something if, you know, especially if he knows you don't know, he's very excited to share the information. So there's a lot of that. And that's really, that's like the most, the reason that I go. And it's, it's always an education. And then when we left the flea market, I got a tip from Andrew Alexander. Uh, he said, give this guy a call. He's getting ready to sell his stuff. He's an older gentleman. So on a whim, I called the guy. I didn't think I would bother with him because I did speak to him earlier in the week and he sounded very old and I didn't want to bug him. And he said, no, come on. I was waiting for you. So we, we went over to his place, a new town in, in upstate New York I've never been to called Stone Arabia, where apparently there was a real interesting revolutionary war battle fought there. And so there's a lot of history in this little town. And uh, this old man owns a farm. He's the second family to own this farm like since it was made available from the king pretty incredible yeah, and that's crazy and he restored the whole all the barns and and he only collected hand tools so all of his stuff was all colonial era hand tools and blacksmith tools so he showed us all around his farm we spent four hours with him so from that point of view the day the weekend was great taylor fell in love with this old man his name is skip and we had a really nice education hanging out with skip i bought a couple of his hand tools but almost everything it was like you guys watch pickers when like they're with an old man who's like real sentimental and they're like, would you part with this? He's like, no, no, I can't sell that. That was yeah. would skip. Not like, that one. Not that one. Not every, that one. every 10 minutes. And like he's 90, he's 80, 89 years old. So a couple of things he says, and he really got to like me because I knew what a lot of the tools were. He's, it's kind of like a Q and a, everything you pick up was like, you know what that's for? And I'm like, yeah, that's for, that's a shingle hammer. And he's very impressed that I knew what mostly everything was. And uh, so more and more as i asked would you sell this he's like oh okay i'd rather it go to you than have my kids give it away so that's what he said a few times which is really (laughs) it was really sweet so he's like i know you'll appreciate it because you understand what it is so 
I won him over after like the first hour. So I ended up buying a lot more stuff than he probably would have given me if I asked him earlier. But it was a, it was a really, really special visit with an old man that, uh, you know, he's definitely at the end of his life and he spent a lifetime collecting. And I said, what did you do for a living? And he was basically the curator of the historical location there in that town. So this, he spent his entire life studying the history of that area. And he was born and raised in that area. He's like, I never, this is where I spent my entire life. Me and my wife were born here. And it's funny, wow. the, the farm that he bought to attach to his farm was his wife's generational farm, which went back to the patents that were issued by the, by the English. Pretty That's amazing. Crazy. Yeah, amazing history. Yeah. And like I said, now he's 90, 80, whatever. He's 89 and he's, he's at the end. And uh, he said, nobody in his family cares about what he does. It's really sad. He's like, nobody cares about any of this stuff. He says he's got great grandchildren and grandchildren and extended family. And he said, they have no interest in any of this stuff. So what's going to happen with it? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I gave it to one of my great grandchildren to take care of. He goes, but I hope he does the right thing. So interesting, Hmm. interesting and sad, but incredible education. So that was my weekend. Taylor, if you look on Taylor's Instagram, I think, well, she posted some stories, but maybe she'll make them permanent. But Taylor put up some really, and I didn't have the wherewithal to like film and ask the guy like I would have for a typical vlog. We just had like a nice moment. So I didn't want to like disrupt it with a camera. We did take a lot of stills, but uh, so Taylor's got some of those. She, she'll put up on her Instagram. Uh, serious question. When you guys pass away, is there anything that physically that means a lot to you that you want your loved ones to take care of or hold on to because i'm not necessarily that way i don't want to give anybody that burden and there's nothing that i really hold close to my heart as far as anything physical well i think i told taylor we discussed this a little bit i said if i go and you're still around and you have all my junk i said just give it to the fans that want it basically is what i said give it to the people like you know that would be in, in appreciation of having it, just pass it around. I, I don't I think, I mean, it's worth money to me because I paid for it, but I don't think it's worth money in general. You know, like this old man basically is like, this is worthless. Like, he, you know, it has a value to him, but he knows mostly the minute he's gone, it's not going to have any value because most people will just be like, move it on. And I feel the same way. I mean, I have all this stuff that's expensive and the machinery and stuff. And, you know, I have some corporation stuff that I'm, I'm that's on loan. Maybe they'll want it back, but I doubt it. But in general, just pass it on to whoever can use it. You know, take the time and give it away to everybody. But that's that yeah. was my thought. Josh and I talked about this a long time ago on No Instructions, the other podcast that we do. And it was actually in reference to R2-D2 because that's what first made me... Well, it was pretty soon after my grandfather had passed and like we were getting in the house. And so I was thinking a lot about like, what do we do with the stuff that's still here that that's not really like, doesn't mean anything to us, meaning like my family, my parents, my brother and sister, that those generations, it's just stuff that was here, right? So like, what do we do with it? And that got me thinking about R2-D2, because this is a thing that I've always wanted personally. And I'm putting this money and this time into making this thing. And granted, my kids now think R2-D2 is kind of cool. But there's a good chance that when they're older, like, what are they going to do with it? And this is this thing that is kind of unique in that it's not something everyone has. It takes a lot of specialty stuff to to build and all this stuff. But, like, they don't want to 
drag on. And, and then imagine like another two or three generations of like, yeah, man, I've got my great, great granddad's R2-D2. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. But I mean, I don't know. For me, I guess to answer the question is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I've made because I want to have it, but I don't expect anybody else to want to have it. And I don't, I don't care. I don't expect like, you know, two or three generations to have my arcade machine or to have my R2-D2 or it's just stuff like burn it, give it away. You know, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's just stuff. (laughs) I would much rather, I mean, this is super cliche, but I would much rather have an impression on my kids than have them, have them take the intangible stuff with them than take the tangible. Like that, that's way more important to me. Years ago, I, I think I, I dropped something, I broke an iPad or an iPhone or something, and Bob's reaction is, it's just stuff. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's just stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, you know, we invest in, in all sorts of things. We invest in our cameras, we invest in, like, our cars and the stuff that we make and the tools that we use every day, and they seem super important because they are enabling us to make a living. And But then in another year you replace that iPad with another iPad or you mm-hmm. replace that bandsaw with 25 more if you're Jimmy or you replace, you know, whatever with another thing. And it's like, they're not as valuable as we think they are right this very minute. And another generation down, they have, it was funny because you said something a minute ago, Jimmy, that I was listening to another podcast this morning, still entitled uh, Adam Savage's podcast. And they were talking about Antiques Roadshow. And they said something in that one about how people bring these old things through Antiques Roadshow, and they're like, they're valuable, but they're unsellable. Mm-hmm. Like, they have value because they're historical and because they're unique, but, like, nobody's going to pay for a, I mean, you know, generally, nobody's going to pay for, like, an $80,000 slip of paper or whatever. So it's, like, it's interesting that there's a lot of stuff here that's valuable in my life, things that are valuable to me, but they're unsellable, they're un usable because the value is not about um, necessarily like reusability or sellability. It's just, I care about them and that makes them valuable. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing. But Yeah. There was a, anyway. when, when my father passed away a couple of years ago, I, I was his only child. So uh, I got the house and everything in it and it was just full of stuff. And it was so overwhelming with all the stuff that I had to deal with. That I I first grabbed what I wanted to keep things that that I think were, that were uh, had sentimental value to me, and then everything else went in. Like we got a big dumpster, and everything else went into a dumpster and the goodwill. And two years later, there's a couple other things that I, I should have held on, or I'll have an aunt or uncle say, "Hey, whatever happened to such and such thing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we got rid of that." But it was so overwhelming with all the stuff that I had to do. But I just wanted that part of it to be over so I could carry about the things that I should be caring about, and so I just got rid of so much stuff. <clears throat> there was a time kind of like that with uh, when they were doing a estate sale at my grandfather's house. And he had a bunch of just cool old stuff that didn't mean anything to me personally, but it was cool because it was his, cool because it was old, cool because it had his name, which is my name on it. And so, like, I went through the house, you know, and tried to pick out some stuff in the workshop that I wanted. This is before we knew we were moving here. And I was like, well, I don't want to take a bunch of stuff back to Savannah, right? So I'll just, like, pick out a few things here and there. And I left a bunch of things behind that I thought were cool, but I didn't need. And then we moved here. And 
they had an estate sale after that and everything, everything got sold off or given away or whatever. So I moved here and then we have some friends in town and we're going to antique stores around town, just showing them these cool antique stores. And I'm at this store, never been in before, and I reach down under a table and there's this aluminum tackle no. box. And I'm no like, oh, that no. looks awesome. And I pull it out, turn it around, and it has my name on it. No way. And I'm like, what is this? And it turns out that that was the store that ran the estate sale and anything that didn't get sold just came into the store. And I'm like looking at this box going, tell me you bought six it. Six months ago, I could have had this. No, I didn't. I looked at it and I said, six months ago, I could have had this for free and I didn't. So now is it worth buying because I realize what it is? Right, right. You know, paying like 50 bucks or whatever on a box that just has my name on it that I, I didn't take earlier. I would have taken it as a sign like it had to come back. Like you cross paths with it again. Oh, I got to buy it now. Like I try to throw it away. And I have to buy it. Jimmy, I feel like you can be talked into anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was my first thought, you know, and I looked at it and I was like, this is just, this is crazy. Like, what are the chances? How is this possible? And I went and talked to the woman and I said, this is my grandfather's box. Like, how did this get here? And she's like, oh yeah, we have tons of their stuff. (laughs) It's like, there's that thing over there and there's that thing over there and some of your grandmother's plates are over there. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to buy it all. So never mind. (laughs) You know, once it, once I realized how it got there, but that initial like, this thing is cool looking and I pull it out and I'm like, how in the world? is my name on this box right. <laughs> in an antique store. And it just took me a minute to like get all the way around it. But, but it, you know, that was like a, an important point to realize, like I had a chance to have this thing and it wasn't important to me then when I had that chance, it wasn't a thing that stuck out enough. And I honestly, I don't even remember seeing it in the house. So like, why would I then, why would it become more important all of a sudden? Um, and so I, I walked away from it. Wow. Which is fine. It was just, like I said, it was just a thing. Um, I do kind of wish I had it because cause it was a cool tackle box. Because now I needed to buy a tackle box to go fishing with my son. But whatever. Yeah. Not a big deal. You know, it's pretty touching. It, and I've had the experience a few times, including this weekend, is when you meet somebody that knows the end is extremely near. And like, mm-hmm. for instance, when I got the printing press stuff from that gentleman named Alan in, uh, in Virginia last December. And he knew he couldn't do this anymore. And he knew that he had to pass it on. And he said to me, I'd rather give it to somebody that I know is going to appreciate it while I can than have it just sit in some antique shop or get scrapped. Or he said a lot of his friends, because he was near the Smithsonian, offered to have it donated to the Smithsonian, his whole stuff. And he's like, no, because it's just going to sit in a warehouse and nobody will ever see it because I want it to get used. So it's very touching to be able to be with and interact with, obviously, in most of my cases, gentlemen, older gentlemen that are at the end of their life making decisions based on what they know is eminent because they're either ill or sick or just really old. Mm. You're not, people aren't going to last. You know, if you're walking with a cane and hunched over and not feeling very well, you're not going to, and you're in your 80s or your 90s, you know, time is precious. And so it's very touching to be able to be with some of those older guys. And, you know, you can't help but put yourself in those shoes and think, what would I do if I was there? And I said to Skip the other day, I said, what's your advice at 89 years old to to someone much younger than you? Like, like what have you learned? He goes, don't become 89. That's what he said. <laughs> well, somebody asked us last week what we would do when we retire. I wonder if there's a topic uh, in there of what would we do if we weren't physically able to do what we do now like if he had extreme arthritis i don't know maybe that's a a future topic someday hmm i'm feeling my limitations from time to time you know i mean i'm not the uh the spry youth i was 
in my 30s. Like I used to be able to just hop right up on the back of my pickup truck. Now I got to decide if I want to tear open the crotch of my jeans or what I should do. I got to prepare. <laughs> I got to like think. I got to take stuff out of my pockets and tie my shoelaces. And Brett just hops up on the back of the truck. He's like, what do you want? Take a bunch of deep breaths. <laughs> He's like, what do you want up here? Just tell me what you want me to do. He sees me getting ready and he just jumps up. <laughs> like, could you get an apple box? And he jumps up. He's like, what do you want? You want this hammer? I'll get it. Is that what you want? I'm like, yeah, give me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's weird because stuff like that is kind of, and I mean, I know you're joking around, but stuff like that is kind of self-perpetuating. Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you like pause to do a thing because it might hurt or because you're, you know, it's going to be a lot more work than it used to be, then you're almost creating the effect of what you expect. And so the more times you pause to jump up on the back of the truck, the less likely you are to be able to do it. And, you know, the further you get true. from having doing it's and it's tough because like you, I mean, that's in life in general, not really about making or a workshop or anything, but I think you feel the physical part of it in a workshop a lot Yeah, where you're like, I can totally lift these eight two by fours by myself because I always have been able to, but this time my shoulder hurts. So maybe I won't. And then the next time it's just like, well, I didn't last time. So maybe I won't again and I'll get somebody to help me. And then you know, two or three years down the road, you just haven't been doing the stuff that keeps your body up in that shape. I mean, people ask me a lot, like, why I run? Because running is terrible. <laughs> running is terrible. It's not fun. It's gross. It's hot, sweaty. It's long. It's boring. But, like, I don't know what else to do to not die. Like, that's that's why. Like, I look, I don't know how we got to mortality here, but, like, I look ahead at mortality. And, like, it's coming and I got to do everything I can do in the meantime to like stay as like, I can't stop it. I can't necessarily push it off, but between here and there, I need to be as capable as possible for myself and for my family and all that stuff. And so like running is just one of those things where it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, it's not dying. So I may as well do it because it's going <laughs> to help a little bit, you know, down the road. But I see that a lot in just other stuff around the shop, you know, like lifting heavy things where I can I have other friends that I work with here and I can be like, Hey man, can you help me lift, the, lift this thing up just so I don't ever have to do it by myself again? Or I can just keep trying to be the one that can still do that as long as I possibly can. I don't know if that's the right approach or not, but maybe it's a pride thing because like, as soon as I give in and say it, well, I guess I can't do this anymore or it always hurts when I do this, then it's like you're giving in to yeah. <laughs> getting old or something. Yeah. I don't know what, it's kind of crazy. Could be. Anyway, I don't know how we got to all that. Hmm. Uh, David, what did you do this weekend? <laughs> I, I didn't do anything as far as making this weekend, but uh, last cool. week we made a router jig to do box joints, and that video will be out on Friday. And so this week we're using that jig to make a real fancy walnut toolbox slash tool tote and it'll have different mm. layers on there and it'll be stackable and um so after as soon as we're done with this podcast i'm going to start drawing it up and then go pick up the supplies for that so i do think that the the jig that we made is is pretty cool so hopefully that'll that'll do well i, I think um we took some existing router box joint jigs and kind of modified it 
if you don't have a router table. So all you need is a router. So there's, you know, I have the how to do box joints on the table saw and now I have one on the router. So there's there's no more excuses and you don't have to have the dado set or whatever. You just need a single router bit. And that's what's going on. But David, what if I don't have a router? I know, I know. <laughs> then uh, you're, you're going to have to get a router plane. What if I don't have wood? I mean, come on, man. Like not everyone has wood. <laughs> yeah. It it doesn't. Uh, there is no there is no pleasing everybody, but I want <laughs> to give true. people options. Yeah, that's great. I'm actually really excited to to see it because you were talking about it last week, and I I don't think you described it enough to where like I could even picture what it was or how it worked or anything. So I'm looking forward to just checking out the video. That's on purpose. That's on. That's uh, that's maybe yeah. so you will watch the video. Not you, but cool. people in general. <laughs> I would I would watch it anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you can tell me, but fine, I'll watch it. Right. No, that's cool. Um, anything else? That's it. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is it. Hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what did what did we do last week? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't it all blended together now. <laughs> it it really does. It's so hard to because, like, I mean, all of us, we all work on multiple things, and we're thinking about so many different things. It's hard for me to look back at the last week and figure out what all we did. I know on Friday it was kind of weird because I went into the morning thinking like, we finished up our thing for the week. I, whatever we were working on. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Still can't think of it. Um, but like went into a Friday going like, Oh cool. Well we can start the next thing. And then I spent the entire day going, I don't know what the next thing is. And I still don't know what the next thing is, but it was just strange to have a full day and not really we had a bunch of like internal conversations and talked about you know stuff that we were planning and things like that but it was weird to not really have a it was a work day but we didn't actually have a thing to work on you know mm-hmm. um and it didn't really bother me it was kind of nice to just get some little things done here and there but <clears throat> it was one of those where like well it's friday it's no big deal i'll over the weekend i'll come up with a project and then monday we can start on it and i didn't <laughs> because it was the weekend. And so uh, yesterday I went out to the farm and by myself for a little while and just like cut up old nasty wood that was used there before and had a big bonfire and just burned some of it off and just sat out there and daydreamed. It's really cool. And Jimmy, I guess you probably have run into this over the past several years, but just being out there in a, in a big open space, like it's so cool to just like walk around and like, well, I have a big canvas here. Yeah, what the potential. You feel the potential. <clears throat> like I could, yeah, I could build a thing there, or maybe it goes there, or maybe it's twice as big, or maybe it's half as big, or maybe there's two of them, or maybe there's the, you know, and it's just, it's a little bit overwhelming in that yeah. there's so many possibilities. Like, I don't know what, there's no right or wrong thing, but you're just kind of like, well, if I do this, then a couple of years down the road, I won't want to do that other thing I was thinking about, or I won't, you know, or this would be in the way. And, Especially, like, I'm thinking about building some sort of a structure there that has, um, you know, like a, building a bathroom. And then I'm like, well, maybe that bathroom could be a little cabin. I'm like, well, if it's a cabin, it has to have enough room to sleep. And I have a family of six. And if we're going to go out there, we may have built a sleep six. And then you're like, you're building a house at that point. You're building, <laughs> even if it's a two-bedroom thing or a two-room thing, it's still, like, a full bathroom in a, roop, a room that can sleep six people. And then I'm like, well... I should just force us to always sleep in tents. We don't need a cabin. That's kind of <laughs> silly. And I'm like, well, then 
maybe it's just a bathroom. And so I kind of go back and forth between this big like <clears throat> thing and I got a plan about where the you know the septic has to be put in underneath this thing. So where the structure lives has to do with what's around it and how it interacts with the property lines and mm. So it was kind of cool, but it's it is a little overwhelming to go to a, a kind of an open slate like that and just be like, well, I don't know. Are there any thoughts of building the cabin and then doing like a, a hostel Airbnb or something along those lines? I don't think so. I think um, the original idea with the property was that I would kind of turn it into uh, like one of the ideas was doing classes and stuff like Jimmy's doing, you know, be, bring a small group of people in, have a focused kind of camp weekend and just work on a thing. But the more I've, I've spent time out there, honestly, and this sounds really selfish, but I really like that it's just ours, that it's just this like secret little, we have woods and we have like my family can go out there and we can walk around and I don't have to worry about, I don't know. It's just nice that it's kind of our little sanctuary retreat thing. Retreat is the word that keeps coming up. And I do want it to be available to people that I know. And so I'm thinking now more about turning it into a place where, you know, anybody I know that wants to get away from normal stuff but not travel really far can just go out there and use it. And there can be a place for them to sleep and there can be a bathroom for them and there can be trails that they can walk and stuff like that. Um, You know, our friends and our family can go camp whenever they want. It's like open to them. But I don't, making it like into a, a place that people can pay to come to. I, I don't know. I just, I think I want to keep it at least for now. I want to keep it like as our own little spot because I've really enjoyed being able to go out there on a Sunday afternoon and just sit and like nobody messes with me. There's nobody out there. There's no noise. There's no, you know, I don't have to worry about like somebody pulling up and being like, Oh, this is the place where the thing happened. <laughs> at that, you know, it's just like, it's just like my little, secluded yeah i don't know fortress of solitude kind of thing it's it's pretty cool but i like that yeah so i don't know we'll see uh i'm not really sure what's going to go there or or what we're going to do with it but i think one it's really cool to have a place like that that i that can be anything depending on what i can afford and what i can you know come up with but also i'm not in a hurry like i have no schedule i have no you know, no event that I have to get a, a place to sleep ready for or anything like that. It's just we have the time to figure it out and kind of... And honestly, I mean, like, I don't know. I've never built a structure like that from scratch. I think I understand how to build it. I need to do some research and stuff, but I understand it, but I've never done it. So I don't have any clue about cost or how long that whole process would take or what the hurdles are, <clears throat> excuse me, with... um uh, you know, permitting and all the different stages that you have to get, uh, you know, all that stuff checked off. And so there's even building a small structure out there. There's a, there's so many unknowns that I'm not afraid of or anything, but it would be kind of hard to build a piece of content or multiple pieces of content around building a small cabin because like you have to get all the, you have to make the plans, you have to get them approved. Then you have to pull permits and then at every step of the way, you have to do your work and then wait. And you just have to wait on somebody to come check it off. And if you've done something that you have to continue to do work on it, then you got to do that before they check it off. And so it, you can't be like, all right, the next four weeks, we're putting out four videos about how to build a cabin. Yeah. It's like, nope. I will say <laughs> that whenever it, Ben from Homemade Modern pulled it off. I mean, he started that new channel and did the container house build 
out in Joshua Tree, and that was very successful. Well, but it was, but he built the whole thing, shot the whole thing, and then put out the mm. content. He didn't do it along the way. So, and, and you know, and that's just another way to do it. Plus, he's Ben. Right. <laughs> super Ben. ben whatever. <laughs> yeah, Super Ben. Can do anything he wants to. Um, no, I, yeah, it's totally possible. Uh, it's just a different, you know, it would be a different process than what I'm used to and stuff. And a bunch of new things, which is kind of exciting. Anyway, I'm talking in circles. I don't know what I'm going to do out there. I love it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I also don't, still don't know what I did last week. So we'll just skip that <laughs> and move on. We did have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple questions left over from last week. Um, this one should be quick, but it gets asked on occasion. This is, uh, and I don't even have who this was from. I must have deleted it accidentally. Sorry about that. Might not translate to super to audio super well, but what does your EDC look like? David, you had an interesting answer. Mm-hmm. EDC <laughs> meaning everyday carry. And a lot of people ask us, especially Jimmy, because he carries the kitchen sink in his pocket. But David had a good answer. <laughs> so when I'm at home, absolutely nothing. My pockets are empty. I don't like things in my pockets. And when I leave the house, my everyday carry is my key fob and my wallet, and that's it. I I got caught up in the everyday carry thing, and you know, I got me a really nice Leatherman and a knife, and I thought, oh, maybe I need a Zippo, and I learned that I just don't like things in my pocket, so I have nothing. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Minimalist. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> what yeah. is the opposite of a minimalist? <laughs> that's Would Jimmy that Duresta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a maximalist. I, my brother said to me, he goes, what are you, eight years old? You got to take everything you own with you? And Taylor always <laughs> jokes about that. She's like, look at you. You're like an eight-year-old. You have everything you own in your front pockets. I, I have, I'm always like, oh, maybe I'll need this. Oh, maybe I'll need that. Maybe I'll need this. And I'm looking at my EDC now, and I have my, my Leatherman with the clip, the original video where I put a clip on it. People can't believe that I still have it. This have is going to take some time, the, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, a nice. razor blade special two-hour show edition. Yeah. I have a, I have, I, I only have. Honestly, I'm used. To, I use the Stanley knife, which is the ten A twelve, which is the one that everybody wants. They don't make anymore. And uh, I have a, a Jocko knife, but I'm afraid I, I only have one. People think that Jocko gives me new ones every two weeks, but I only have the only one he ever gave me, and so I don't want to lose it, so I never carry it. And uh, I have a Benchmade knife. I have an ice pick, the one, the small one that I made. <clears throat> I have a a uh, a red sharpie. What is the red sharpie from? Milwaukee. My Zippo and my wallet, which my wallet is a a passport book, which is a good thing because hanging out with First Build, they make these little passport notebooks. Huh. So my wallet, cool. although it looks looks kind of fat but it's the size of a passport and honestly my wallet is almost never in my pocket it's like on the dashboard of my car or sitting next to me so it's never really in my pocket but if i knew it it, of course it fits but i like this passport size wallet that carries this notebook and like i said it's the one i have happens to have is a a first build from the first build place in kentucky and that's all i have right now but yeah i i tend to carry a lot more stuff than i need (laughs) I have a, a handcuff key. That's all I have right now. I have a handcuff key in my back pocket. I always carry a handcuff key. Why? I have my zippo on me. Uh, just because, you know, I have uh, various uh, fears and and 
you just you just never know when you're going to end up in handcuffs. Yeah. I, I, have you have you ever used your handcuff key? Thankfully, no. But when Good. you see people being put in handcuffs, you know, by the police, oh, just this is just just you know, you know, I. I'm just paranoid about it. I don't want to be put in handcuffs and I want to be able to get out. So it's like my Houdini. So you carry a five cent handcuff key in your back pocket where you change. If I'm ever handcuffed behind my back, I can get out. It's just like a little MacGyver instinct in me. <laughs> I used to have it glued into the back of my belt so that nobody could find it on me unless they took my belt off. But I changed belts and I just never glued it back. Into, it's like crazy glued it into the back of my belt so it never comes out in case I ever need it in an emergency. I could peel it out with my fingers. I've actually practiced. It works. So, That's amazing. Call me That's insane. Awesome. But, okay. <laughs> on, on eBay, you can buy like handcuff keys five at a time for like two bucks. So I buy like, hmm. I have like 15 of them and they're in drawers and stuff and Occasionally, I remember to, um, almost about 80% of the time, I remember to throw one in the back, pa- back pocket of the jeans, whatever p- pair I'm wearing. Yep, that rounds oh. out my EDC handcuff key for that inevitability nice. where I'll find myself in handcuffs. <laughs> inevitability. Yeah. No, like, what if, what if you get kidnapped? Okay, you said it. You know, what if you get kidnapped? So, the kidnappers never, well, now I just gave it away because whoever's been planning to kidnap me knows that I have a handcuff key on me. <laughs> Is that everything on you right now? Um, what else? My Zippo's in my pocket. Yeah, that's it. And then I always carry a bandana. So I feel naked without my bandana. Sometimes I reach back and I have like three bandanas tucked in my belt because I found them <laughs> in the house throughout the day. Must have looked like a rooster walking around. When you're in the shop, does that change? <laughs> Do you add more? Do you have a belt? Do you have accessories? Uh, no, but you know, it's fu- something I haven't said much to anybody is that, you know, the pants that I've designed over the last few years, a couple times I've been where I made videos on them and wear them. I'm actually designing a pair of jeans right now with uh, my friend, Christine. She's a, uh, she's done jean, uh, denim, denim design for all the big, big companies like Ralph Lauren and all these guys. And anyway, she, she is a friend of mine from the Lower East Side and she and I are designing jeans together. And tomorrow I have a fitting for the first pair of the jeans and we're doing all this everyday carry pocketry in the front of the jeans typical pair that i've made so it's not extremely different than what you might remember but they'll be branded and they'll have like little bits and bobs of my logos and stuff on them but you know like just like levi's not like it's not going to say directed down the leg like juicy couture right across the butt <laughs> yeah. please you have to have one pair that has duresta all the way across mm. the butt no no no, no 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 and then a jacket so doing jeans and a jacket with everyday carry in mind and oh, like an cool. ice pick pocket and so and then uh yeah so tomorrow i go for my first fitting we'll see i mean it's really just to see them obviously they're not made only for me but we'll make them in various sizes and and we'll see. It's I'm going down the road. I'm kind of she's leading the way. I'm going down the road to say, hey, what do what happens? And my goal from a business point of view is to build up that business if it's possible to build it up, and then try and get a license deal with somebody. Like I could show to somebody and say, hey, look how many jeans I sold in the last couple of months. Would you be interested in taking over this business from me and just paying me a royalty, if at all possible? Hmm. Levi, so. hint, hint. Well, I don't think yeah. Levi would even pay attention to me, but the smaller companies, like, I mean, like uh, Filson, for instance, I, I don't know if they'd pay attention, but she has other companies. There are other companies that are completely behind the scenes that that run licensed brands. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like you wouldn't even know the owner of the company, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know the company, but they handle private label 
Like uh, as a, for instance, this is just a little side note. A friend of mine works for an eyeglass company and they make every single branded eye pair you, you ever see. So like when you see, for instance, like uh, 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 Versace eyewear, you think Versace makes them. No, her company makes them. So that's the, like we're, we're going to try and do a couple things like that. And that's, that's some of the possibilities. So it wouldn't be like Filson hmm. and Duresta. It would just be Duresta, but they would figure out a way to market the jeans like to people that don't even know me just because of the quality of the jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's cool. yeah, that's, the, that's a marketing plan we're working on right now. We'll see. It's long and slow. We've been doing it for a while. And uh, tomorrow I go to the, uh, we, we don't have, everything will be made in America and uh, might be made in New Jersey. In fact, actually tomorrow the, the company that's making the sample has an opportunity to make the garments, you know, once we place an order. So tomorrow I'll, I'll go and do a fitting and see, I mean, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm sure we're going to need some adjustments for the first pair that we've designed. So we'll see where it goes. But I can't wait to wear my everyday carry apron jeans or whatever the hell we call them. Yes. <laughs> Bob. Um, let's see. So for me, I used to carry uh, this Gerber Crucial. I know you guys like Leatherman, but I always liked the Gerber Crucial for a few reasons. One, because uh, the blade on it is a stub nose blade, so it doesn't go to a point. It has like a stub there. Mm. And it's flat and serrated mm-hmm. on both on the same blade. So that's cool. But then it's just a good, it's a good multi-tool. Um, it has everything that I would use on it. It has a strap cutter on it, which doesn't seem like something you would use a whole lot, but it has a specific strap cutter. So it's great for opening packages and stuff quickly. <clears throat> the thing I like the most about this thing is that all of the, edges on the entire thing have a chamfer on them so when it's in your pocket and you put your hand in the pocket there's never a sharp edge that hits your hand in any way and that was my favorite thing about this so i carried this thing for several years and the only reason i stopped carrying it because was because i got a maker knife so thanks jocko (laughs) just kidding um, so I started carrying the maker knife and I just, it was too much to have in a pocket to have both of them. And I really like the maker knife. I really like how quickly you can get a blade out and put it away. And so I carry my number 43 maker knife because mm. I'm number 43 and this thing is getting beat up. I was kind of worried about the same thing, Jimmy, about carrying this and like, you know, destroying it. And so I actually ordered another one, uh, just so I have a backup. <laughs> case so eventually i'll have another one on hand but so i carry the maker knife and then i have a coast flashlight and if you know coast they make knives and flashlights and stuff it's a it's a really bright flashlight for its size oh i have one of those I, I always carry a flashlight too i just don't happen to have one on me at this moment so this one has the rubberized button on the back end of it so you can you know with your thumb you can turn it on and off the other ones have uh a lot of them will have a button on the side or twist and they always get turned on accidentally so that's why I picked that one. Got iPhone. Got my little inexpensive flat wallet, like a non-fold. I don't know what you call these kind of wallets, but I tried to pare down my wallet every couple of months to make sure that it stays small. And I started, I, when I switched wallets, I started putting, and this has been a few years ago now, I took my keys out of my front pocket because my keys were always in my front pocket. Wallet was always in my back right. And my back started hurting. So I took my wallet out and put it in my front pocket and hung my keys on my belt or my, you know, the the belt loop. 
And that actually fixed my back. And so now I don't keep anything in my back pocket except receipts. I put business receipts there. But so I have this tiny little wallet. Since it was in my front pocket, I had to make it smaller so it wouldn't in the way. So now I have a small wallet. And then recently, I kept missing. I really like the maker knife, but I kept missing the other tools on the crucial crucial. And I found this little Gerber dime. And it's like the tiny version of the Leatherman. You know, oh, yeah. what's the what's the tiny Leatherman called? The micro, but it's oh, usually it's, a pair of scissors, just the micro. It's like so a micro. This one has yeah, this one has a pair of scissors on it and a pair of pliers that are spring loaded, which I like because a lot of them aren't, so it's they spring open. But it's um it's really tiny and it's got you know, scissors, it's got pliers, it's got both types of screwdrivers, it's got a blade, it's got a bottle opener, you know, all the the basic stuff, but it's really small and it has all the chamfered edges. So you can drop this in your pocket and it also doesn't like mess with your leg or pick at your clothes or anything like that. So I think that's what, why I like the Gerber stuff and they're black. So once you use them for a while, the edges get all knocked off. And so you have this kind of like silver and black combo. Um but so this is the newest thing that I've been carrying around, and I'm really glad that I found it because having those pliers on hand and having a screwdriver, those are the things that I really missed about not having a multi-tool. And so, and it's small enough that it's not really in the way. We got a new car recently, and this is something I haven't figured out how to deal with. So, like, you guys can see. These were my keys before. I have a house key. Uh, I have four keys on this. And then I got a new car, and I added this remote Mm -hmm. fob that is bigger than every single thing else on my keys put together. And it's just huge and heavy, and I don't know what to do about that. I have my remote fob and my key. It's just the remote fob, one tiny little jump ring, and the key, and that's it. Everything else is like a different... I keep all my keys in like the little hand pull on my truck, and then I almost always leave the key in the ignition of my car. So 90% mm-hmm. of, like, if I go into Home Depot, the key is in the ignition of my car. Everywhere I go, the key is in the ignition because I hate pulling it out and keeping it in my pocket. <laughs> and I can unlock my car wow. from my phone. So every once in a while, I'll lock the car with the key, and then I'll unlock it from my phone. It is risky. So I only do that yeah. on occasion. But uh, if I can't find my keys, it's always, like, every time, I'm like, where are my keys? Brett's like, did you look in the car? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they are. They're in the ignition. It's like, always. So I've eliminated yeah. keys because our house has a electronic keypad to get into. And the only other key that I have to have is my key to my P.O. box, which I just keep in the Jeep. So my keys that I got to take with me is just the key fob. There's no key ring on it or anything. I wish it was smaller. I wish it was slimmer. I wish it could be an app on my phone. I, I can unlock my car with the phone. Can I, I don't, I don't, but I can't drive the car away without the key fob in the, in the car. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to figure out what to do about that. We, I love this car. I'm glad we got it. Um, but man, the remote is just huge yeah. and it's keyless. So there's no extra key, which is nice. At least it's not like a key and a fob, but man, it's just so big and heavy. Um, and I tried putting it in my pocket for a while, but it's so big that it like wants to fall out of my pocket because of my wallet and stuff. Uh, so I can't really, you know, can't, it's just hanging with everything else. Anyway, that's EDC. People ask. <laughs> you thought it was going to be a quick, uh, 
quick answer. I thought it wasn't going to be terribly interesting. <laughs> and I'm, may have, I may have been right. I don't know. Um, all right. So we're 43 in. You want to do one more question? Yes. If we have another one. Uh, this one was from the same person, and I still don't have their name, so I'm sorry about that. How does your maker lifestyle extend beyond your on-camera work, music, art, cooking, etc.? What similarities or through lines do you see in yourself through those things? I mean, David and I both have played music. That's a pretty natural connection, I think. But Well, he mentioned, or this person mentioned cooking, and uh, I've been working on my pork chop recipe and i've been taking notes i've been trying to like get it a little bit better every single time and i'm like this i should put this into a cookbook i have these other things that i keep trying to get better and i have this theme for a cookbook that i want to do and so that's where my making life extends into other things like nobody thinks like oh i need to create turn this into content but i always think that way and then i'm working on yeah. music and i want to start a music channel i want to do all these things and every i'm always thinking how can i turn this into something i can share i i don't i don't i don't even know how to keep things for myself anymore that is kind of a thing i mean it, it's tough to break off certain parts of yourself and say like this is just going to be personal because if it's almost like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing something and you're like, well, I'm not turning it into content, which, you know, translates to revenue or to income or whatever. Like, you're like just kind of letting that go, but it's probably good for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. I don't know that I have, <clears throat> it sounds lame, but I don't know that I have a lot of things that I do outside of making stuff these days. I mean, like I don't really play music anymore. Not that I, I'd, I'd like to. I just don't. It's not a priority, so I don't make time for it. I mean, I hang out with my kids and try to do stuff, you know, with them. Um, I mean, I guess being out at the farm and trying to think about what I could do out there, ultimately that will become content. But it is, <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, it is becoming more of a place that I just want to keep as like our retreat from the rest of life. And um, so... I think probably spending more time out there and spending time in the woods and just whatever is going to happen out there, I think will probably become kind of a hobby, kind of a, Hmm. an outside thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how that'll relate to making stuff, honestly, in the content, because I don't know what it is yet, but I don't really have any other hobbies anymore, which is kind of weird. I think what you'll find is you'll like, you'll, you'll work on something out there. And this is supposed to be your retreat. And you're like, oh, this is a great tip. Maybe people need to know about this. Let's, you know, let's get the crew over here and, and film this. And you turn it yeah. into something. Yeah. Yeah. But I also know that there's a bunch of stuff out there that, like, you can only do once, right? You can only, or make a video of once. So, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. So, I want, I'm cutting a trail out there. I'm trying to make a loop around the property so that we could go and hike a big circle crosses two creeks it goes up and down hills and i'm trying to make a loop and i thought it would be kind of dorky but kind of cool to make like signs you know like trail signs and like name the sections have a couple camping spots and like name those and then make little signs and stick them there i can't make a video about every single sign 
that goes <laughs> on the place, but I still want to do it just because I just want to. Yeah. And so that's one of those things where like, maybe I get it out of the way and I make a sign video or something to make one of these things. And then the other ones are just like, for me, they're just mm. for me to enjoy that, that thing that I'm doing out there, you know? So you might be right, but maybe it's a mixture. It's funny talking about like last night after we had company all weekend, because we, we, we did this antiquing with a group of friends that came and spent the weekend with us. And after all was said and done, another thing I did this weekend, which I forgot to mention, is in town here, we're hosting this thing in October called the uh, Maker Camp Weekend here in the Catskills. And the same place that's hosting it, every couple of months, they have like a themed weekend. And this past weekend, they had rat rods, like antique cars, like turned into like rat hot rods. And you saw a little bit of it on my Instagram stories. Anyway, so Taylor said, let's go, because now I want to make one. So me and one of my friends in the neighborhood here, we're going to build a rat rod for next year's show. So now i got to find a candidate. <clears throat> but we have 40 acres to walk around on. So that's a lot of times Taylor and I will, not as often as we should, but we'll go for a walk in the woods just to kind of wander around and explore the property. And there's still sections of the property that I've never been on. But one time, about four years ago, <clears throat> Taylor came to me and she's like, I go, how far did you walk out? She goes, I walked to the old pickup truck and and back. I'm like, what old pickup truck? She's like, oh, yeah, there's like a body of an old pickup truck (laughs) resting in the woods. I'm like, where is it? You got to take me there now. And so she took me there. And it's it's. And so anyway, I I remembered it. And I was like, oh, wow, it's like so far gone. It's just like it's like a rusty can. And so last night we were talking about the rat rod concept. And she's like, let's go look at the old truck in the woods. And it's the second time I've been there. So we went for a really long walk in the woods trying to find it. And now it's just about to get dark and I have flashlight and stuff. And we eventually, she's like, no, it's over here. I'm like, no, I think it's over here. And we found that it's actually on my neighbor's property, which is like thousands of feet from my house, but walking through the woods. So it takes a while. And I found it and doing some research this morning, I realized it's a 1930 Model A Ford what? Coupe. It wasn't a pickup truck. It's a, it's a two-door and it is there is almost nothing left of it. I want to go out there and I want to wow. I want to excavate the all around it. I sent it to my buddy Mike who I'm going to be working on the car with. I was like, "What do you think? Too far gone?" And he goes, "Yes. <laughs> Too far gone." <laughs> Could you and I'll send you guys pictures of it. Like a just a like pull it up, bring it to the front of the yard and make it some sort of sculpture. I I I want to do more research on that. It's you know, in the old days, these old properties, you'd have a dump. We have our dump. I know where our dump is. And we go there and sometimes I bring the, the, the students, if it's a nice day, we'll all go and we'll just sift through the dump. I mean, it needs to be an archaeological dig. And this is the dump on my neighbor's property because there's tons of stuff there. And it smells like oil, which is pretty bad because there's big drums and stuff. So it's got to be an ecological disaster. But anyway, and right next to it is this car. And I was thinking like, Who's going to bring just the car part? You know, like there's got to be the entire parts of the car under the ground. It's got to be the whole thing. There is a, like what the remnants of a door laying on the ground. And I try to pull it up and tell us like, let's get out of here because we were going to be stuck in the dark. So I know where it is now. I put a pin on the map and I'm going to walk out there as the weather breaks and try and grab pieces of it and see if I can't drag it back to, to society, at least just for the cool. Like I'll put it on my front lawn just because mm-hmm. it looks cool. But there's no wheels or anything, at least not that I could see. They might be all underground. But it's it's really far gone, like really far gone. It's just like the shell, like that cool, like shell back windshieldy part. That's really, that's all you could at least decipher. 
And so what we do when we're not making is we go for walks in the woods and Taylor sometimes cooks and she's a really good cook and sometimes I help her cook. And you know, uh, lately now, as I get older, I'm, I'm finding myself hunting for more and more cool antiques and things that, you know, collections to put together. And like I talked about last episode, my, my uh, unofficial museum of junk, you know, so that's, that's kind of what I find myself doing. At least this summer, I realized I was making that, that move. Cool. Um, well, I don't really have, there's a few more questions, but I think we're at a pretty good place to, to wrap it up. Maybe we can save some for another time. I, I did want to say, um, if you guys send me links to the stuff that it's in your EDC, David, sorry, you're out of luck. <laughs> Um, I'll put those in the show notes. Somebody was asking about show notes recently. The actual show notes for every show are on makingitpodcast.com. They get copied into like iTunes and into Patreon and stuff, but I don't think any of the links ever get translated over there. So if you need a clickable link in the show notes, you got to go to makingitpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Check out the show there. Mm-hmm. Um, also... That question came up on Patreon, which is a fantastic segue to talk about Patreon. So if you want to help out the show and get more, uh, a little more content, we do an after show every week after this. And I think this time we're going to do the question about who would play us if we had Hollywood (laughs) actors uh, replace us in our videos. So uh, usually it's just another 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, whatever, of us just chatting. And sometimes there's secret stuff, sometimes there's silly stuff. If you want to get that, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out uh, at any level. We would appreciate it. But our top patrons, I'm going to talk about, but I don't have the list in front of me because I was in a hurry this morning and I forgot to pull it up. So, David, what are you working on? I'll thank our patrons in just a second. What am, what am I watching? Um, man, I, I need to bring this up because I need to know what the exact title is. Uh, it is a book that I am about three quarters of the way through. It is called Mindfulness-Based Eating Solution. And it's just a, I eat super fast and way too much. And it's not good. And this book, like, you already know that you you have to slow down and eat less. That's Those are things you already know. And this book will help you get to that point because those are very hard things to do. But there's so much more to the book that because because it involves mindfulness, it kind of teaches you to be in the moment, not just when eating, but and other things. And so I think there's a good uh, life lesson in this book. And again, that's called Mindfulness Based Eating Solution. And we'll have a link in the show notes. Cool. Um, I will say I finally have the list up in front of me. So big thanks to. Jenny and Davis, Modern DIY, You Can Make This Too, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Maker and Training, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, and Corey Ward. They're our top supporters. <clears throat> but there's a whole bunch of other people at other levels that help us out, and we are grateful for all of it. So thank you to everybody from Patreon. Jimmy, what you got? I'm going to do a repeat, but like, you know, you, you, we don't just say one thing one time and everybody hears it. That's like one thing we realize as like so-called marketers, influencers. So I'm going to say it again. And I hope you don't mind. Check out Lars Christensen for, mm-hmm. 
for Fusion 360 Education. He's amazing. He puts a live podcast up, at least a live a live show up at least once a week, and he's got a great catalog of teaching and learning, and he's pleasant to listen to, and he's very smart. So, Lars, thank you for ongoing education. And every and, time I get stuck, I always find an answer, most of the often in his channel. Right, and he works for Autodesk, correct? I don't know, does he? I found that recently. He lives in Buffalo, New York. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought he was in Europe. But I didn't know. I didn't know he works for Autodesk. He must, because I mean, obviously, he's uh, such a, a skilled teacher of of the of the of the program. Yeah, maybe he does. Yeah, he does. Um, Josh went to uh, Autodesk thing recently in Portland, and it was like a fusion class. Oh, yeah. I saw that training thing, and uh, Lars was one of the teachers there. Oh, so great! He got, yeah, he gets learned from him in person, which is cool. Um, so mine is not really a new channel or anything, but it was a video that I saw recently that I hadn't watched yet. It's on the Vox channel. And I'm not sure why this was interesting to me, honestly, but it was a video called Thomas Edison's Road Trip with his famous friends. And it's about uh, Edison, excuse me, Edison, Henry Ford, and I can't remember the other two guys' names. I'm blanking on it. Anyway, just go watch it. It's like nine minutes long. But it's these really big... Oh, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Four famous, like, really rich people of the time would go on these road trips. And it starts out, and it looks like they're just, like, four old guys getting in the car and going out. But it turns out that they actually, like, had film crews with them. And they had uh, cooks and all this stuff. So they would go and make it look like a road trip and they would film it and then they would use it for promotional material. Are they going to say they, they, would, they made they, vlogs? No, well, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny, but it was kind of neat just seeing that these people that, I, you know, the only context I have for Henry Ford was he made cars. I know nothing else about him as a person. Um, the other guy has a giant beard and I'm just totally blanking on his name. He was like a, a conservationist. Burroughs? maybe. Um, he was like kind of the odd man out. Uh, but the four of them somehow were friends and they would go on these trips as a way to like kind of uh, publicity stunt their businesses, but also just to spend time together. And they're a really odd group of people. I, I just thought it was a really cool video because it was something about people I know that I didn't know anything about. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool just to see a little glimpse into these historical figures that we always think about, you know, think about George Washington, you know, about him because of his presidency and because of the parts he played in the war and things like that. But you don't know, like, what did he do for fun? Like, who did he hang out with? What did he do on the weekends? He and cut down cherry trees, I think. That's what he said. <laughs> um, I don't know. Stuff like that is kind of neat just to see a glimpse into like, oh, all these historical people were actually people. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Real human people. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Mm, mm. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's go do that one question in the after show. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Love you all. Bye.